Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We are dead! We are all dead! We're supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! I know Kung Fu. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! This whole thing is insane! This whole thing is insane! 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men with power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombieland. This whole thing is insane! Man is evil, capable of nothing but destruction! Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy Heresies, and welcome to the Desert of the Real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it is. It just is. Especially with the latest AB Live, audio version for thee and this eternal now. Let's get to the second part of the intriguing presentation on the esoteric secrets and symbolism of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Researcher Daniel Block returned to the Overlook Hotel in the virtual Alexandria. He focused on the film's labyrinth, demiurge, and ideas on the gold room, and much more. It was a spanning presentation that took us deep into esoteric history that included Mithras, Saturn, black cubes, the Tarot, the Anunnaki, and yes, much more. 
all to break open the intentions and secrets of Stanley Kubrick. The Tech Archon struck hard at the beginning of the show. Luckily for you listening in audio, I cleaned up the initial mess and it was basically smooth writing until the part where I botched the slides. Uh, apologies, but I did have a really bad stomach flu that day. Probably the monkeypox delta something or other. So I was not thinking right. All in all though, it's an amazing show with revelations galore, thanks to David. And thanks to you who support this Red Pill Cafeteria. You are amazing and your support, company, and feedback help grow this podcast. We need Gnosis more than ever, needless to say. Expect more shootings and violence, wars, addiction rates climbing, mass depression, and societal collapse until more look inward while breaking the outward spell of hating angels. You won't find this high-quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom, or many of my guests and their unique insights anywhere else in cyberspace or even meat space. Don't forget my voiceover availability for any podcast, commercial, audiobook, documentary, or whatevs. I'll bring you stellar results with down-to-home professionalism. And consider, in these hard economic times, the Red Circle subscription, which is only $4.99 a month for all complete shows. And you can tip if you want to support. Other than that, let us to our latest AB Live. Write your own gospel and live your own myth. And watch how those archons roll. And we are live down that rabbit hole in search for more red pills, or as I often say, red pill suppositories. Welcome everybody to AB Live here at the Virtual Alexandria, and I hope everybody is doing all right. My name is Miguel Connor, as always, your pompadus of Gnosis. And as always, guiding you through that madman, guiding you across the waters of creation. And uh, yeah, very excited today. We will have the second part of our show, cracking uh, the code of The Shining or The Shining Code. Last show was very popular, got a lot of traffic, a lot of interest, and of course, a lot of uh Questions about our guest's amazing and thorough exploration of Stanley Kubrick's labyrinth mind, uh, one of the most intriguing minds in the history of uh, art, cinema, and of course, a culture. So we would definitely get to that and very excited again. And with us again, we've got David Block. David, how are you doing today? And thanks for coming back. Are you there? Great. Thank you, Miguel. Nice to hear that the first show was pop. Yeah, the sun comes and goes. Yeah, yeah it's great. For me? Thank you. Okay. And uh, you. Well, the technology archons are always busy. 
but it really won't matter because again once you get started with yeah. your presentation we can you can just run with it again it's so fascinating we can take care of it and always fascinating too we've got the moondog yeah. vance who's uh looks like he's uh, over there at the overlook hotel any killings yeah. over there vance uh not today you know the kitchen's all tidied up and you know i went to room 237 that's all straightened out the maid service has to get in there still <laughs> <laughs> but you've actually been there as we were chatting before right yeah the interiors uh, of the movie were based on the iwani hotel which is now called something else in yosemite and i've been there several times i haven't stayed there but anytime i went to yosemite usually go to the iwani it's a little bit off the beaten track, you know, away from the Yosemite Lodge, but it's worth going. You know, it's it's uh, looks very much like the interiors of the movie. Yeah, very iconic Ooh. in cinema. Awesome. Well, we got people yeah, coming into yeah. the chat room. Uh, as always, if you have any nice. questions for David, please write them down in all caps, question marks, uh, super chats. Will of course get the privilege of being at the top of the list and we will try very hard to get to your questions as always um as far as housekeeping june uh, the month of juno or hera is very exciting we got some very cool uh, upcoming shows including a show on cursed and occult america we'll be keeping the vibe of the shining where we were joined by uh, nate the occult fan and the great Steven Snyder or Recluse with some amazing insights on all the portals and hauntings and all the shenanigans going around in North America. Then shows, uh, we've got a live show with Micah Dank, who put out a book with a co-author, a children's book, Astro Theology, that will be our next live show. So, of course, yep, needless to say, you're going to get a lot of Astro Theology, Astrology, and uh, mysticism uh and also uh, which i'm very excited about we will have a show later in the month on the gnostic themes in the oa one of the shows that that has intrigued me very much we have a scholar that will be joining us and the insights just don't go to the oa they will go to the type of uh uh, medium that is the OA, the sort of uh, new occult content that includes Stranger Things, uh, Sense Aid, Sense Aid, and of course that's influenced by David Lynch um, and Grant Morrison, Alan Moore, and all those. This sort of meta mysticism, uh, fiction or cinema. So very excited about that. Um, other than that, yeah, please support the show if you can. Again, times are hard. Uh, everybody's taking a hit with the inflation and other economic issues, including myself. And as I like to say, when things get tough, let's help each other. Please support alternative podcasts, um, content creators. Uh, somebody donated a, a full year of shows. So if you're interested, I would love to give it to you. As I always say, if you need any full shows that I have, just let me know. I'm very happy to give you full shows. There have been individuals who have asked for uh, a free yearly subscriptions, and I have been glad to give it to them, or entrance to the Finding Hermes program. Again, we're here to support each other in any way you can. All right. Sounds well, why don't, why don't we get started? Okay. We lose you. Go ahead, David. All you, and let me know when you want me to change the slides. 
Yeah. All right. Let's start. And then we take questions later on then. Is this okay? Let's do it. That'd be nice. Yeah. All right. Part two. And uh, I'll talk about a little bit diff different topics, but we will uh, concentrate on the Demiurg and the Labyrinth and the Gold Room. And this will be a little bit speculative, but I, I will argue that Stanley Kubrick, Kubrick was well versed in different esoteric uh, traditions, such as Mithra and other traditions. I will come to them. Uh, so I, we, I have to talk about our other films he have done as well, but I will always come back to the movie The Shining, but I will take you on, on some journeys and come back to it just to prove my point. So I will always come back to the movie The Shining, but bear with me for a while and I will try to connect the dots here. All right. In part two, we have uh, three parts. Uh, part one, In Search of the Demurg. Part two, Anunnaki, They Came for Gold. Part three, Baal Hammon and the Hypercosmic Demurg. Part four, Sounds of Silence. That is part four. The three previous part was the pre presentation before. And in part five, I will talk about Secrets of Tarot, Mithra and the Tarot. Part three, Janus, Stargates, and the number 11. Part four, the Eternal Return. And in part six, I will talk about Somewhere Over the Rainbow, Disney and the Color of Change, The Wizard of Oz, Eyes Wide Shut, Transhumanism and Posthumanism, and the Space Odyssey One and the Rain Rainbow Bridge. And that's the last. All right, next slide. Let's start then. Part one, In Search of the Demiurg. This one? Uh, next one. In Search of the Demiurg, yes, there, there we start. <laughs> Part one, In Search of the Demiurg. Uh, we're going to talk about the Demiurg, a very Gnostic theme. Uh, but the Demiurg is uh, it's very hard to to say who is the demiurg there are different ideas about the demiurg and the archons and who they are and in different esoteric tradition they point to different demiurg and have different ideas about it i will discuss some of the ideas here and the ideas to shining and what Kubrick tried to say about it um next slide in the movie, we have the famous scene where Yak is washing over the labyrinth. And of course, this is a reference to the Demiurg. Now, John Lamb Lash, the Gnostic scholar, he points out Samuel as the Demiurg. And if he's correct, then I mean, that's a close case then, because I pointed to Yak as the Demiurg. And Jack is, is attributed to Samuel, or he is possessed by Samuel, or he is an archetype of Samuel, or he is Samuel. But that is what 
Kubrick points to or allude to. So if John Lamb Lash is right, then I have a close case here. But it, is, it ain't that easy, as I told you before, because in different traditions, traditions, they point to a different demiurge. And I will elaborate on that a little bit and point to different demiurgs and how you can understand it. And I also think that Kubrick tried to tell you a lot of different things on different levels. So I think all of them are valid in some more or less more valid uh, in combination to the movie, The Shining, and what Kubrick wanted to say. Yeah, next slide then. And I'm going to talk about the watchers here. And I want to point out that this is not so a human have said, because I'm a, I, I am a practicing esoteric person and I have my own teachers. And we, we are uh, talking or communicate with these forces. And it's a method to it. And in the, uh, in the movie and, and my analysis of The Shining, I gave these forces a very bad rap. But it ain't that easy. Because, of course, there is a method to the madness to communicate with these forces if you do it with the right purpose. Uh, so this is something a watcher has said. I don't want to name names here. I just want you to take it in without any mental uh, attachment to it. So this is not a, a, a human who said this statement, but let me read it to you. The mythology of man all holds grains of truth, while the rest is sickness from the golem god. They invent and contort characters in the political lore to wreck the cage around you. In biblical text, the golem god seeks to liberate the slaves, but also calls for obedience in slaves. The servants of the golem god do not even recognize this and other contradictions. And this is from the watcher's point of view. And we all, I think we all know what they are alluding to here. Yeah, yeah. The Christian god, Jehovah, is the golem god according to them. Yeah, next slide. Outside of Colosseum, they erected a statue, oh, quite interesting statue. Uh, I think they erected it in 2020, but I'm not sure of it. And it was a statue of Moloch. And Moloch is uh, one of Baal, and Baal is only a title, it's Lord. So if you only say Baal, it's just Lord. So they, only, they attribute a name after the title Baal. And Moloch is one of Baals. And I will read to you what it says, 
what we can say about it, or, or what others have said about them. Moloch. Moloch has been figurative used in reference to a person or a thing which demands or requires a very costly sacrifice and associated with the rule, role as a sun god. And Baal as the Lord, this is more a generative term. The Lord is Yah. Yahweh is Baal. Combined the two. However, it is not certain whatever they simply allude to the Canaanite god Baal or are intended to equate Yahweh with Baal. And then you have a, a god or a demon called Baal Hamon. Baal Hamon, however, was identified with the Greek Kronos and the Roman Saturn as the Sebub uh, Saturn. This assertion appears in old scholarship. And then we have Baal Sebub. Jewish scholars have interpreted the title of Lord of the Flies as the Hebrew way of calling Baal a pile of dung and his followers vermin. Although others argue for a link to power over causing and curing pestilence. And this is very interesting. And it is erected in Rome, 2020. And Baal and his followers are spreading and curing diseases. I just mentioned that because of the situation today. And all of this is attributed to Moloch, uh, Baal, and some allude to the Jehovah, the Christian God here. Okay, next slide. A very interesting tarot deck by Travis McHenry is the occult tarot. It is seven, it is seven, eight cards, as all the other tarot cards, but all of them have a demon on it attached to the card. Next slide. And in the first part, we were talking about card 13, 14, and 15 equals 42. In this card, number the big arcana. Number 13 is Lucifer, number 14 is Crossell, and number 15 is Moloch, equals 42. And these demons have some attributes attached to them. And I want to point out what Moloch's attribute is. Make one worse than ever before. Tricks mortals into being bound accept child sacrifice, Moloch. And all these attributes is on this card, all the 70, 77 cards, seven eights, sorry. Next slide. We had a very interesting movie, and I, I think it was 1927 by Fritz Lang, Metropolis. And they find a lot of new material, lost material. So now the, the movie is two hours and 25 minutes long or something. Right. But the movie has a very interesting theme. 
and a very strange one at that. Because it seems to do <laughs> a combination of communism, worship, Moloch, and transhumanism in a strange combination. I don't know if you have seen it, but yeah, you should. And I talked Very a lot about the Bar Tower of Babel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have the fully restored version. Very, That's good. Yeah, you should see it. Very interesting. 1927, so it's very old movie. 100 years almost. But I was thinking about the combination of this technology, transhumanism, Moloch, and communism. What, was, what is the common link here? But what I think he's trying to say, Fritz Lang, is it's an allegory of the Plato's cave as well, and the noble lie. So you have an esoteric elite who control the population or the, the mainstream man or with the, the communism as their uh, propaganda or their mm -hmm. philosophy. But the elite themselves doesn't believe that. It is important for them that the public believe in something, but they have kept their hidden uh, hidden truth or secrets or esoteric tradition for themselves in order to control the masses that spread a noble lie. This is what I think Frislang tried to tell, tell you in this movie. Yeah, next slide. There are one more very interesting tarot deck, Sola Busca tarot deck. I don't know if you know about it. It's a, a Mithraic theme in this tarot deck. And a, a man named Peter Mark Adams have written a book called The Game of Saturn about this tarot deck and his uh, analysis of it. Very, very interesting book. I'm going to... Uh, I have a quote in his book, state, book stating, the one thing that both of these kingdoms had in common, Rome and Carthage, was the worship of the ram-headed god Baal Hammon, who served as the supreme deity. For the Romans, this god shared many of the properties of and was therefore considered to be identical with the crown of Saturn. As we noted in the Bible, this notorious god was known as Moloch, a name derived from his characteristic sacrifice, Molk, or child immolation. Now we are back to Moloch again in the Bible, but now we have another name, Baal Hamon, and it's associated with Saturn. This is very interesting. All roads lead to Saturn. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. Yeah, next slide then. And we come to the movie of Clockwork Orange. And uh, on the walls, we can read Moloko and uh, Drenkrom and Synte. Syntemesk and Veloset. And this is attributed to 
Moloch and um, uh, milk as a substance. They drink milk instead of like beer or wine. And they have this milk bar where they go, this gang. And milk laced with a drug in the book, A Clockwork Orange, milk bars would sell milk instead of alcohol so that they could serve mm. minus. And minus and kids is a very common theme in Kubrick's movies. The milk would be laced with the sign Rugs note that in real life, milk is not very effective delivery system for most psychotic, psycho, psychoactive drugs, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but I think Kubrick tried to tell something else here. Of course, that's the reason I chose uh, this milk theme in the movie. Yeah, next slide. Yeah, some have said uh, it's adrenochrome that was in the milk, or that's what yeah. Kubrick was trying to uh, trying to convey. Yeah, uh, there are a connection there, and I will show you the connection. In the first part, I was we were talking about number eleven, and it's called the twin in the strict edition, and the reason is because it consists of two ones. One plus one becomes two. And 11 is a very important number in esoteric method and theory. And if you add up the number one to 11, you got the number 66. And 66 is a very important number as well, of course. Uh, and you have this famous word, abrahadabra, attached number 11. And it's the hexagram and the pentagram combined. Five plus six equals 11. So this number is very important. And uh, there are very diff many different meanings and you can draw from it. But it has to do with esoteric method to, to communicate the spirits or to connect to the astral plane, to a higher plane. Yeah, next slide. And then we come to a very a subject many have talked about. And it's the Anunnaki. And some believe they came for gold. And I think it's uh, Sakara Sitchin who talked about it a lot, writes some books <laughs> about it. And there are many different theories who they were. I believe they are talking in uh, symbolic terms here. I don't believe they were here for gold, the physical gold. But I think they were here for solar energy, DNA, or body fluids. They were here to mine solar energy or us. Next slide. For example, Michael Tellinger thinks they were here to mine gold. I don't see why an advanced race as Anunnaki would need gold. 
couldn't they create gold themselves? We can create gold. It's expensive, sure. But if they were very advanced, surely they have technology, technology to produce gold sheep. So I think they are talking in, in symbolic terms. This is just a theory for me. Next slide. So we have different kinds of gold, I would say. And I think in the recent days or years, we can, we can see that there is a certain elite who are very interesting in body fluids. When you communicate the spirits, some of them, uh, it's easy to get in contact with them through blood, for example, or other body fluids like sperm or menstrual blood. So our DNA is the beginning of this. It's make it possible. Our DNA makes this possible. And it is very important. Yeah, next uh, slide. And I come back to another quote, and I want to point out that this ain't a human. It's a watcher who state this. The cliphotic shell represents what science once called junk DNA. The cliphotic shells are the one on the other side of the tree of life, the cliphotic tree. This DNA is potential found in your current being, which mankind assume is not encoded. Codes of divine power were once written within this junk DNA. They have been extracted by the manipulation of the environment stimulus you experience. And this is from one of the watches. I don't name names here. But it's a very interesting statement. It mean it alludes to that they have closed off some DNA strands in us to make us more uh, easy to control. Next slide. And a question I have. This is just a, a question. A speculation, you can call it. Can Saturn be a mind sun, a previous sun, a sun before, to move energy between suns through technology? And we have something called Thunderbolt's project. And even Nikola Tesla's technology alludes to some of this. The possibility of this. And we can see on the pole of Saturn, you have a hexa. The Anunnaki gods were many, but in Sumeria, Babylon, they talked about not, not all of them, but some of them were the main characters. And you have Anu, and Anu was the highest god. 
and Anu, according to uh, the traditions, that's take tradition traditions talking about this as the sky father. It wasn't. He has never been on our plane or our planet. Anu had two sons, Enlil and Enki. Enlil uh, is attributed with uh, symbols is attributed with wheat, corn, and a bull. And other names for Enlil is Jehovah. And his family is Ninlil, Ninurta, and Ishtar. Uh, and I will talk about them later on. Enki is attributed with a, a goat, snake, and a fish. And you have Enki becomes the devil, of course, and Enlil, the good god, Jehovah. And you see how this uh, devil thing starts to come about. Other names for Enki is Pata and Poseidon. So Poseidon in Greek mythology is Enki. And these two family lines was in war with each other over two different ideas, what they wanted to do with the human race. Next slide. I start off with endless line. And Ninurta is endless son, and Ninurta is Saturn in Sumeria, Babylonian mythology. Attributed to the number 50. And his symbol is a sickle. There are more symbols, of course, but that's the most important. And other names of, is, of course, Kronos, Saturn. And you have Ishtar, and Ishtar is also very interesting. You have Ishtar in uh, Alistair Crowley's writing about the scarlet woman, the scarlet whore, the, Bab the Babylon, and so on. And Ishtar was a renegade daughter to Enlil. They couldn't really control her. She was, she was all over the place. They couldn't decide what, what faction she would belong to. And you have Nanna Sin. And Nanna Sin is the moon god. And in Sumerian mythology, the moon god is a man, male, or androgyn, male and female combined. And then you have Nurgal, and Nurgal is Mars, and you have Shamash, and Shamash is the sun. All this comes from endless line. Next slide. Then we come to Enki. And this Enki, uh, one more, Miguel. Uh, and Enki, as I said before, is the devil. 
and he had uh, a son, Marduk. And this is very important because Marduk ain't a 100% god, but 50. Because Enki took a human wife and we got Marduk. So Marduk have 50-50 god and uh, human DNA. And Marduk had a son named Nabu. Marduk is, uh, other name for Marduk is Zeus, Thor, or Thor, uh, Aten-Ra, and Amun-Ra in Egypt. And Nabu is, of course, Hermes and Horus. Uh, why is this important? I think they had an agenda here. Let's say this mythology is all true. And let's say these gods have a hard time to, uh, to be here on Earth with us. Something seems to be working against them, our nat nature's law or something. What do you do if you know that the time is shifting and it will be harder for you to take physical form on the planet Earth? You take a human woman, so you have a half-god and a half-human, then it's easier for this half-god to operate on our planet. On Enki's, for Enki. And Marduk take another woman, human woman, and he gets 75% human DNA and 25 god DNA, and you have Nabu. Should be easy for Nabu to operate on this planet if we have 75% DNA, human DNA, and 25 god DNA. Then he is more human than god. Then he can operate on this planet more easily. And let's say the, the agenda is to have an elite class with the god DNA who can work for them on this material plane without any problem. And this elite is working to bring them back again through technology. It's just a theory, just a thought I have. Next slide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. 
We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I also know that it was a war between these factions. And a very interesting myth is Gilgamesh. So you have this Gilgamesh, half-god, who I, I think they <laughs> we don't understand what they try to say. I think I understand what this mythology is about. It's about a half-god trapped on the material plane who seek a stargate in order to be able to leave. And then we come to the movie Matrix Smith tried to do the same. He is a, a, a software trying to escape the material world. But a, a, everything he got. And Gilgamesh is the same mythology. This is a half god who tried to escape the material through a stargate. And he had to fight the cosmic bull in order to open the stargate. And the bull is Jehovah Enlil. In order to open the stargate, to defeat the cosmic bull and the closed stargate, because Enlil doesn't want us up there, because he thinks we are too noisy. So he's, he has closed the stargates. And Gilgamesh is trapped here with us. That is the mythology of this Gilgamesh mythology. So we have a cosmic war, you can say. And it's about the human race, stargates, and an, an, an elite with, with upgraded DNA. Yeah, next slide. And you have Ninurta. Ninurta is Enlil's son. And Ninurta is portrayed with a thunderbolt. This is from 800 BC. Next slide. On the other side, you have Marduk. And Marduk was supposed to be the highest of the Anunnaki gods because he defeated Tiamat and became the champion of the Anunnaki gods. And when he became the champion of the Anunnaki gods, he, he got this sigil, sigil who says, I am the highest god. And I think we have uh, misunderstood this idea of one God. From the beginning, they didn't say, I am the only God, but I am the highest God. The other Anunnaki gods exist, but you should only worship me as the highest deity. 
it didn't say I am the only God who exists, the other doesn't exist, no. I am the highest of these gods and you should only worship me. I think that come, come contraluded, they changed it to one monotheistic religion later on, step by step. Mm -hmm. And you see his sigil is a, a pyramid, truncated pyramid with an eight-pointed star. And the eight-pointed star is Anunnaki's star, the Anunnaki star. Also the sign of Ishtar too, I believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a sign of the Anunnaki race or gods. Yeah, next slide. So I think we have uh, an agenda here. And uh, we can see this truncated pyramid on the dollar bill, USA dollar bill. And of course, you can speculate who it is and so on. But money, gold, seems to be very important for them. And I think we have been important for them to build their infrastructure. And in order to build the infrastructure, you need material, goods, and labor. But now we have built the infrastructure for them. We aren't that important any longer for them. And this is what I think we see today. Next slide. So the gold room or the sun room, I think Stanley Kubrick tried to say many things with it. It's an energy stealing thing. You have uh, Danny, he shines. Uh, they try to steal um, energy from us. Uh, and according to Crowley, all humans are also star. We are star energy, solar power, DNA. Next slide. And we see this gold room and the number six, Thagirion. And Thagirion is really 666. So when people are talking about the number 666, more correctly in esoteric lore, we are talking about the sun, the dark sun, mm -hmm. the sun behind the sun, not the sun you see with your with your eyes, but the sun behind it, the dark sun. And we can see uh, in the previous presentation I was uh, writing about Shamash and uh, uh, this elite and the ghost elite but the question is are they trapped 
themselves in this game? Are they humans or are they ghosts? Have they lost their humanity? Who are they? And what is their purpose in the sun or gold room? And why do they uh, why do they uh, scare, kill children and use them for what? And what is the purpose of Danny? Yeah, next slide. And I take one more quote from uh, Watcher. Cannot truly be separated from this potential, or else the clayborn, it is us, existence could not be set in place. That is the hidden Sephira, because if mankind had access to this side of existence by default, they could not be enslaved and harvested to benefit the Archons. Wow. And that is uh, one of my, I consider my teachers who have contact with these forces. Next slide. And we come back to the Demiurge. Balhamon and the hypercosmic Demiurge. And uh, as I mentioned before, one of the watches also said that they have closed off some of our DNA. And in the text of the Anunnaki, the mythology, they're talking about an android race who worked for them before they created the human race. And this android race they are talking about didn't have a free will. They couldn't procreate. Sounds like the greys for me. I think the greys are androids. Something like that. But Enki had an idea, I think. If, if they had a hard time to be active on this plane, why not? have a, a race uh, help them come back when the time is right or when the technology technology is there to take them back to alter the fabric of, of nature to suit them better through technology and i think it has been an agenda also to close off our dna We the surf class, for example. Yeah, next slide. And I'm back to the book, The Game of Saturn by Peter Mark Adams. And I will quote some of it because it's very, very important. Literary context and symbolist point unerringly towards supremacy of Amon Saturn in a world view of the deck's designer. And this is a tarot deck with a Mithra theme. 
We had earlier identified Vekatulu as a symbolic representation of this deity and the planetary intelligence of Saturn. Based upon the DEC's evident polysemy, we can also decode five Cthulhu as a representation of the hypercosmic Demiurge. Saturn occupies uh, the outermost of the planetary spheres, where it serves as the gateway to the sphere of the fixed stars. Depictions of the hypercosmic Demiurge are typically derived from a common pool of stock imagery lion, ram, or human, serpent-bodied or body-enwrapped by a serpent, surrounded by zodiacal signs of a body inscribed with zodiacal signs. Cloven hooves, a reference to god Pan, whose name in popular etymology means all, or human feet, bearing a long staff and or keys. The Demiurge stands over and controls the gates of the sun, to which he holds the keys. He bears, uh, he bears an inclined staff representing control over the Earth's polar axis and hence its daily rotation. So here you have a quite good description of the Demiurge and his control of a gates. Next slide. In this deck, Sola Busca, you have a very Mithraic theme. And we go back to Babylon and the Old Testament. The card 21, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the last big Ardukite king. And it was Nebuchadnezzar who took the Jews from, from Jerusalem to Babylon. And it's quite famous, the book is about this. And you have Nimrod. Nembruto is his name in the deck but it is Nimrod. And Nimrod, and this is very interesting, Nimrod is different interpretations, but according to the Babylonian tradition, the Babylonian esoteric tradition, Nimrod was Ninurta, and Ninurta was Enlil's son. And Ninurta was Saturn. So you have this Anunnaki god <laughs> attribute with a planet or a sun who strikes down the Tower of Babylon. And the Tower of Babylon was the Mordecites who tried to reach God, open up gates through technology with this Tower of Babylon who was struck down by Enlil. So it's a very common theme to open gates, to have access to the star, the universe, to be able to leave or come down here to the material plane, to enter. Next slide. 
in the Thunderbolt project they are talking about. And this weapon, this Thunderbolt they're talking about. Can it be some sort of technology? And we come to the Veda scriptures and the Hindu gods and Mahabharata and Bhagavad Gita. And I think they are writing about the same Anunnaki war, but the gods have different names, a little bit different themes, but it's the same story written in different language. Next slide. Esoteric lore, we used to say Saturn is attributed with matter or evolution becomes solid matter, lead masculine control, time, schedule, restriction, and intellect. Next slide. And you have, so you have and all lines from a hexa, you get a cube. And black cubes are in some big cities around the world. Santa Ana, Manhattan, Australia, and Denmark, and of course the most famous one in Kaaba. And in the Kaaba, you have a silver light. Inside this black cloth, they have a silver pussy. It's, uh, it's Ishtar, because Ishtar was a renegade daughter who couldn't be trusted. And she was supposed to marry Marduk. So these family lines would be united through their marriage, but it never came about because Ishtar didn't want the marriage, neither did Marduk. But she is considered to be a very renegade, uh, renegade lady that you can't trust and are very esoteric and had very esoteric knowledge. And it led to war between these two factions, between Marduk and Ishtar, where it says in the text that Marduk escaped and was uh, locked in in the main pyramid in the Giza plateau as a prison for Marduk, where he was uh, like entrapped. Next slide. And watchers. And take take next slide, Miguel. Next slide. Now you see that they are yeah, that's that one. That's correct. Okay. Now you see that they are already arming in their astral arsenal. If they dominate your species physically, they will do it spiritually. 
They fear the apocalypse. For Saturn's storm formed a cube not long ago. That was a sign apocalypse that will ensue. And this is from them. And I think we all can feel this and see it. And I will, an apocalypse is not the end of the world in esoteric tradition. It's the end of, of the old world and beginning of something new. But it will be a hard time. Yeah, next slide. So we see Daniel is playing on this hexa in matter. And it is also the cube of Saturn incarcerated in matter. But he will soon uh, rise up and go to the metaphysical, the other side of the moon, through the force, the power of 11, the combination of a penta and a hexagon. And the penta is, of, of course, attributed to uh, Ishtar. The pentagram, Venus, the rebel lady, the rebel Anunnaki from endlessly uh, family line. Yeah, next slide. Sounds of silence. And another quote from this watches. By harnessing the sound of silence or the sounds of the Hebrew alphabet, which are associated with each path upon the tree of knowledge, the first 22 strands of encoded information can be activated within the race of man. This is to take back the book of life from the false god. We can re... Uh, we can uh, get access to this DNA they have closed off in us. But it has to be through metaphysic, a metaphysical journey. And these forces do the best to tell us that it ain't so. This agenda that we are only animals, this materialistic agenda to say that we are nothing but animals and nothing metaphysical exists, only materia, to hold us back, to restrain us from take, taking this journey through Saturn, through this masculine energy, this control system in place, this cube of Saturn, we have to crack open and to start this journey. And we can shine and they can't do anything about it if we start the journey. But what they can do is to convince us never to start it. But if you do, they can't stop you, but they can make it harder for you. And the best trick is co to convince you that it ain't so. Then they have you inside this cube. 
That is a mental prison for your mind. Prison. Yes, yes, yes. Quoting Morpheus, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the yeah, mind forged like... manacles that William Blake talked about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, next slide then. And you have this cliff of the tree of knowledge. And I, I talked about it in the first presentation. And someone said that Lilith gets a bad rap. There are a method to this madness, I have mm. to say. But you shouldn't take it lightly. When you confront these forces, you have to have the right intention when you do it. If you don't, you will fall. If you ain't mental stable, if you are a psychopath, if you seek control and power, you are completely the wrong person to do it. And I think it has been an elite, esoteric elite, who have used this against us through our politicians because they are an easy target to make them do foolish things. Now I'm an esoteric person myself. Feel has happened is this. They have taken all our method and turned it against us. Yeah. That's what I, what I feel. Everything that could free us, make us more powerful, not weak, they have turned against us. That is what I see. Next slide. So this is a war over DNA and it is a transhumanistic agenda. And I think it starts to be quite obvious for us all. Uh, they want to use us. And in the movie Matrix, I think it's a beautiful allegory with a battery uh, yeah. where we have become batteries for the machine. This is a very good allegory, I think. I like it a lot. There are m many things in that movie that is very good. And that is what I think they will uh, try to achieve. And I also think they want to take us back to the state where we were androids before the Anunnaki upgraded us, according to this myth. Then we were had no free will. We couldn't put, uh, create, make children. They can control them. They want to take us back to that state. And I think that's one of the uh, agendas behind the, yeah, the shots. <laughs> I don't know how much you can talk about that, but let's, let's yeah. leave it. Code your language. Code your language for the YouTube <laughs> algorithm. That's what we do. 
we don't suppress free speech here, but we just say code because the algorithms are mindless archons. Yeah. Don't take the Kool-Aid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next slide. Okay. The first part is ended. Sorry about I had to divide it between three parts. I don't yeah, know I don't, why. I don't think we'll be able to get to the third part or even the second part. How long is it? Because uh, at the top of the hour, we'd have to jump off, which gives okay. us 40 minutes. We take the second part then. It's not that long. All right. Real quick. If uh, it's okay Vance. with you. Yeah, yeah, if we can do it. Yeah, no problem. Let's do the second part, and we can always regroup for the third part or see what else. Yeah, this is fascinating. Uh, Vance, maybe one question. Go tit. <laughs> oh, gosh, I got to pick my pick one. Uh, yeah, well, if nobody wants a super chat, you're just going to have to pick one. It's unfortunately Saturn rules. Yeah. He causes the boundaries. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to pick among the three. I'll take... Um, um, uh, Poo Poo wanted, uh, who uh, named uh, themselves after their cat, Lost in the Desert, wanted to know mm. if uh, any of the esoteric symbology in The Shining originated with Stephen King or was it only in Kubrick's version? In other words, how much of the esoteric material that we all see in the movie, how much of that was really uh, Stephen King's doing and how much was Kubrick's doing? Yeah, I haven't read the book. Uh, I cannot answer that. Uh, I'm very interested in, in the book. I know that Stephen King know a lot of things uh, in his book. There are a lot of esoteric information. Lawn Moon. Um, I haven't read the book. Uh, but just uh, I can only answer top of my head. Kubrick liked to take others' work and twist it around and run with it. And this is, it gives you also more uh, uh, different uh, interpretation. If you read the book and watch the movie, you get more out of it. It's very clever. He, in, in Space Odyssey 2001, Arthur C. Clarke wrote a book at the same time they did a movie. If you read the book and the movie, you will see this, that Kubrick have changed things, but you get more out of the movie, even though you get more out of the movie when you read the book. Um, that's the best answer I can give. All right, thanks. But Stephen King is is very interesting. You should read his book. He know a lot of things. Lawn Mover Man's very good. Of course, he uh, didn't like uh, what Kubrick did with The Shining, but that's another whole subject. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think it's because he changed too much. Well, here's a question somebody had. I yeah. think was a valid question after our last presentation. They said, "What?" was the point what is stanley kubrick doing here with the shining do we know i mean all the symbolism everything is he trying to expose the whole truth about the world or 
you think he was conscious about everything that he's been putting? He was obviously a very meticulous man. Nothing, nothing yeah. was subconscious with Kubrick. Everything was meticulous on purpose to the, yeah. to the little smallest detail. So you think he was trying to give us this sort of uh, overarching view of our reality? No, uh, what I th feel about his movies, and that's the reason why just, I want to just get the shining, it. just the shining, yeah, not the other. yeah, okay, yeah, the shining. No, he tried to say a lot of things, things he felt had to be said to the public, but he couldn't just say it outright. Uh, he was active during the shining was eighty something uh, a, a long time ago where the public wasn't ready. We, had, we didn't have internet. So in his movies and in Shining, he tried to say um, a lot of esoteric practices and how they used it against the public. But he also, with his other movies, it, it gets bigger because it's a big puzzle and he cannot say everything he wants to say in one movie so you try to connect them they have a similar theme a space of the city 2001 a clockwork orange and eyes wide shut those four movies have similar theme it's about transhumanism an esoteric elite who want to use this technology without the public knowing they use the technology because if you have technology the, the population cannot comprehend and doesn't think exist. You will be the one who control the, the population. And this is not something new. You have it, had it in Greece where they created a steam engine 400 or 500 before Christ. And a professor in history said, why didn't they manufacture it? And he come to the conclusion, well, then they didn't have any purpose for the slaves. No, it was an esoteric elite who buried the technology for, to, to use for themselves because they don't, didn't want to share it with the mainstream because with this technology, they can control the population, which they did in Alexandria, where they created statues who could move if you <laughs> give it money. And they thought, it's the God who talked to me. So the ones who have the technology and doesn't want to share it with us can control us as long as we doesn't yeah. understand sense, yes. they have it and demand. Yeah. And that was one of the theme in Kubrick's movies. A Space Odyssey 2001. Uh, yeah. Uh, it but makes perfect very, sense, I would agree. Yeah, in the book, exactly good point. I saw someone said it. They were supposed to go from the moon to Saturn, not to Jupiter. And that's an important part. And if you want to, I can talk about Space Odyssey 2001 later on. But it's a very, very interesting movie. And I had sure. a big revelation two weeks ago. Can't get enough Stanley Kubrick here at AM Byte. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> There's always room for I Stanley hope, uh, Kubrick. We've only yeah, gotten I mean, started. 
I saw in the the chat room, and you have a wonderful audience. Very good. Yeah, yeah very knowledgeable. Um, yeah, very... yeah, yeah, yeah. And they look up information like the Screech Owl and Lilith, uh, and Lilith is more in the Zohar uh, than in the Old Testament. So it's a correct observation. Uh, and the Old Testament is just referred to as the Screech Owl, um, but in the Zohar there are a lot more about this lady. But as I said, it's a method to the madness. She's, she's not all bad, but you have to work with these forces, work with this darkness, transform it, not indulge in it. Awesome. So what's the next slide? Uh, just so I make sure I've got yeah. all the slides now uploaded. Secret it's, of Tarot. Uh... And there you have it, you shining crazy diamonds. The first part of our electric presentation with David Block. What a journey and what a labyrinth the rulers of this age have built. Please become an AV Prime member or Patreon at Patreon or Red Circle subscriber for the full revelation and to support this venture. It will cost you less than a buck per episode and that's a deal of many lifetimes. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics are more important than ever in this Philip K. Dick world and Gnostic times, an age of Hermes. This is our time to shine though, like those crazy diamonds, we high priests and priestesses of Hermes, the god of thieves, and Sophia, the goddess of smugglers. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self here in the desert of the real. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.